and I'm sitting down with somebody who has been on my list for months now to get in touch with and sit down with for the podcast is Taylor, as in T-Pac. How do you prefer? Uh, Tay-Pac, actually. Tay-Pac! I messed it up! I'm so sorry, sis. <laughs> it's hard when you know each other online and you never officially introduce yourself, you know, and say the things the way they're supposed to be said, but Tay-Pac, 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 Tay-Pac. Okay. Like Tupac? Is that the inspiration? I'm hoping. Yeah. Yes! So welcome, Taylor. So nice to see you. (laughs) Um, Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Some people will probably be listening and hearing about you for the first time. And I've just known you for a little time, but in the short time we've known each other, I've really enjoyed um, our interactions and being super inspired by everything that you do. So let us introduce yourself. Let us know more. Oh my gosh. Well, hello, hello. I am Taylor. I am a 25-year-old photographer based out of big bad boyer town <laughs> i got into activism less than 10 years ago and it was not on purpose and that's kind of taken over my life as well so i'm a mixed bag of tricks i like to say um i like to do a lot of things that kind of stir my heart wild and that's all i've been doing is just chasing that so here i am with you now and it's a it's a beautiful thing yeah yeah i love that taylor and you point something out too it's like you didn't necessarily fall into this purposefully you know some people set out to be like like social justice warriors and they have this idea in their mind of like what they're going to make change in but I think a lot like you it just was so much of who I was so it kind of informed the path you know and I always talk about like ethical design and ethical art and making sure to stay true to your ethics and it really drives me as well so I appreciate that so much in your work that regardless of how it's going to affect your business, which I see it as affecting your business in a positive way, um, your ethics are important and your values and your morals are really important. And that's a strength that I see, especially in your generation, that really inspires me because when we were coming up, like I'm 40, so we were coming up in the 90s, it was still like political correctness, but it was really sort of like fake and it wasn't really genuine. And um, it became very problematic because there was not, the follow through in a lot of times. Um, so I see that a lot in your generation and you're a person that really inspires me. And I actually talk about you a lot because I just, I watch, you know, like I'm a design person and stuff and I watch your business model. And even if it's not purposeful, um, I think people like me want to support people like you that do have ethics and do care and 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 have morals and have values and, and are not afraid to say, listen, this person is someone that you should stay away from point blank like do not go near this photographer he's like shady as hell and like standing up for yourself and I want to support you with I want my money to follow my ethics I always say that you know like I want to support small businesses and businesses that are following my ethics you know like even Target like I know they're a big box store but their ad campaign I'm not sure if you've been in recently um has really shifted from where they were like photoshopping out the little like thigh gap now they're showing models that are like more realistic looking they're showing models with stretch marks and these are things that i value and i want to like you know put my money into into um ethical companies or ethical designs like that they may be more on like (laughs) not really authentic in that but for you definitely not your body of work is gorgeous um it's about empowerment it's about um being yourself loving yourself and i am totally blown away by your work um, I started following you and just, it's just amazing. So amazing, Taylor. So to walk us through how you got to that point, like, how did you get into photography and how did sort of 
the idea of self-love and, and, and like honoring yourself and empowering yourself um, also filter into to the way that you photograph people? Well, that's a loaded question yeah. with many layers. So I know. Let me let me go back. Um, I unpack however you out. want. You could do it however yes, you want. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, my grandfather, Jack O'Rourke, the infamous Jack O'Rourke, was a sports announcer for NBC. He traveled the world, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, following sports, being one of the voices for the Phillies. Uh, so when he traveled, he brought his film camera with him, which at the age of eight, he gifted me. Uh, nice. I don't know why he gifted me that precious piece of metal, um, but he did. And I knew from that moment, this is what I was going to do. Point blank, period. There was no other second guessing anything. This was it, the Mecca my my baby you know um so you know throughout school I just incorporated photography into my everyday being and you know I'm a kid in the early 2000s with a 35 millimeter film camera so that was a little quirky I guess in the days of digital but you know that's how I started was in film photography because of my grandfather showing me you know the ropes blessing me with his gifts and um you know in high school I interned for the Phillies uh, I really was career oriented since I was young because I knew this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, there was no waiting game for me. This is it now. So, yeah, I was 16 shadowing the Phillies photographers. Uh, wow. I had a full high, high school internship with them. And then uh, it quickly progressed to going to college for photography. Um, I graduated with a degree in photography. And then uh, right after that, more internships, crafting, creating, creating, honing, failing. Um, and then mm -hmm. I created TAPOC. And TAPOC came out of, you know, we're graduating college. They're like, you got to start your own business. What's it going to be? And, <laughs> you know, for me, it wasn't just going to be Taylor after photography because I felt like everyone just puts their name and blasts the photography at the end and they start their business. I want it to be different. So, in high school, I would freestyle rap a lot, and people oh, would call wow. me Taypop because my name is Taylor. And for some reason, my white ass got compared to one of the greatest lyricists of all times, Tupac. But uh, yes. I was like, you know what? This is going to be really cool. Let me call my business Taypop Photography because, at the very least, it'll be a conversation starter. So, you know, it, it went from quickly getting into sports photography and thinking I was going to be this famous sports photographer to whoa over time becoming a portrait photographer how the hell does that happen <laughs> honestly it was because I needed it mm -hmm. you know sports photography was great but that is an industry full of men that do not want to make room for women you mm -hmm. know when I was an intern at Camp Woodward I was there putting my business aside interning for free and they had me go run and get everyone else the coffees you know, there was no respect and I was really tired of it. So, you know, people would always hit me up asking for headshots and stuff. And I love that. Um, but I really needed something that sung to my soul that would wake up my heart and remind me why I'm doing this. Cause it's not for any monetary reasons. Right. You know, um, it's, it's because this is my lifeline. This is what's kept me 
alive photography um so I realized you know through my journey with life there was nothing I could look back on and say wow that's me Mm -hmm. wow that person they're reflecting this positive energy that I truly want to emulate you don't see that and so much art and so many Mm -hmm. visuals all you see is consumerism all you see is envy and jealousy and self-loathing radical hatred you know Mm -hmm. um and I so badly wanted to strip all that away if it's in my personal work or with my clients you know photography is a sacred being just like you are Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, but part of my French. Fuck anyone else that thinks otherwise. <laughs> oh no, it's all yeah. good here. Yes, yes, yes. You I know, hear I you. brought up earlier. You know, like the creepy photographers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I I call out all the bullshit in our community, especially because, as a woman, I understand how it feels so often to feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When people want to call themselves a photographer and they want to try to take my clients or photograph anyone in the community, and I hear back that they are abusing that power, mm-hmm. um, I personally get very offended because this is my lifeline. This is my everything. Yeah. And there's something very holy and sacred to it. So, you know, my whole thing is I'm authentic. I tell you how it is, good, bad, and otherwise. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. You know, I, I'm as real as real gets because what else is there to be in the short, short life? Um, my whole Very goal here true. is just because I've needed so often to be empowered and I could not find that in this world. A lot of my series, I photograph them as a reminder to myself that I'm beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm enough because these other beings gave me themselves for even an hour's worth of time in front of my camera they give me so much more than that. Mm. They remind me that I'm, I'm worth living. Mm-hmm. I'm worth being here because they are, you know, mm-hmm. it is so beautiful what photography has given me. And Aww. I am just forever blessed for each person that gives me even a moment of their time. To allow yeah. me the opportunity to capture you and your radical badassery, like what? <laughs> it blows me gonna... away. So it blows me away. You think, I'm like, getting teary just listening to you talk about it, Taylor. You're just—I love the way you speak about things and how authentic you are. And I'm just taking it all it's in, just, sister. It's, it's, <laughs> because it's, it's everything to me, you know. Yes. Culturally yes. speaking, there are so many cultures that photography is totally taboo they believe oh, that yeah. if you photograph capturing their soul yeah so including the amish world, yep it's amazing and, and to think that i i was born in such a privileged privileged position where i live in a society that not only enjoys photography mm-hmm. but people love getting their photos taken of them they yep. love them. They love it. We are selfie freaks, right? We yes. love photos of ourselves. And rightfully so. We're sexy motherfuckers. We deserve <laughs> yes. to take a selfie here and there our sexiness and share with the world. 
how beautiful we are. You know, I love, I love that. So, you know, the fact that I have this privilege of being a photographer in this beautiful land that we reside in, mm -hmm. I mean, really, all I want to do is share the truth and I want to share love with people. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it. For ourselves, if it's a moment in time that just naturally unfolded in front of my camera, whatever it is, I'm going to capture it. And it's going to be beautiful because that's what that moment was. So, yes. yeah. It's yeah. so funny. Um, <laughs> I actually started my my like art journey as a photography major at Drexel at 99. Okay, so it was right when they switched over to digital. And it's so interesting the way you're talking about this because you know, it is every selfie taken is, is actually like a radical form of self-love and like, you know, giving yourself an affirmation that you're beautiful and, and, you know, like, you know, as, as long as it's like, you know, clearly something that's making you feel good. But, um, it's funny because when I started in my photography journey, people didn't really take selfies because we didn't have phone cameras. And I think it's actually a really glorious thing that came from technology and came from cell phone cameras is that it empowered people to feel like beautiful. And e even if you need a filter, like whatever, dude, like feel beautiful about yourself. And I love what you just said, but it's so funny to think back on like when I started in the training we got. So it was something I'm sure if you went to college, you heard of the decisive moment. And that would just like play over and over in my mind. Like there was that moment and did you get it or did you not get it? And it's so interesting because you know, with technology and the way that photography has evolved. So it's not such a crisis for the environment with wet labs and stuff like we were doing. It was so bad for the environment. It's so cool that now you can capture more than just one decisive moment and not feel like that confinement. And I think that's really beautiful. And having been on the other end of your camera, um, I just I have to say it's a whole experience to be photographed by you. And I'm um, just I had my daughter photographed by you, too. And she just turned 13. And we all know how that feels um, at, at that strange adolescent age, but it was such a, an am amazing experience. And it was so much more than just getting our photographs taken. Um, you just bring a whole like vibe and like uh, support and, and just the way you were talking to her and really like, like building her up. And it was so authentic. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the work that you do for her and for others. And, you know, I can see like from my 40 year old perspective, like that you're, going to just really accomplish so much um so much like making change for people you know you know every success is is measured so differently for different people but through my eyes I see you making so much change for good in people's hearts and that's really really an amazing an amazing thing to see in such a young person from my perspective sounds so old but you know I mean it's like really need to see your work ethic and your drive and to see you making that change and so I'm so glad you're here and sharing this with us and all of the things that you just said. I mean, the one thing about Taylor is like super authentic, like you just right away feel really comfortable. And I like that you don't hold back and you just speak the way you feel because you don't see that a lot, you know, you don't see that a lot. And it's really a nice thing to, to experience. So you either love it or you hate it, you know, yes. um, my, <laughs> my, verbal, my verbal filter is at a zero, you know, because <laughs> I mean, if I, you know, it's so funny, I'll, I'll be with my mom or my sister, we'll be going out and I'll, I'll see someone wearing a cute mask or rocking that cute pair of shoes. But mm -hmm. you can kind of tell by their like body language that they don't feel 100% in them in themselves, like they don't feel yeah. confident. Those are the yeah. people I search for. And I definitely mm -hmm. take the time to like, call out people's light more, even yeah. when they don't feel it. It's so important. And 
I just know from personal experience, I mean, I was a hundred pounds heavier. I remember just walking around the hallways of school feeling like I took up too much space. Now, was that uh, sizeism? Was that being a woman in this world? I think it was a combination of both. Um, but I know from experience for so much of my life, how uncomfortable I constantly felt in my own skin, constantly. Mm-hmm. Sun up to sundown, the only thing I was thinking of was my flabby arms, my stretch marks, and that kind of self-hatred consumes you. And it takes away not only from your light that you get to shine for yourself and others, but it makes you not productive. It yeah, takes away from sure. fucking physical work done. Mm-hmm. So I make sure anytime I see someone, if it's with my camera in hand or not, I always verbalize to them beautiful mask your hair looks great today and it's always genuine always yeah. try to find that one thing in a person and tell them and yes. tell them because you do not know how their day is going especially Indeed. during these COVID times when mm-hmm. honestly my anxiety has gone up through times a thousand which I didn't know it could do I already thought I hit max to pass <laughs> nope <laughs> so I really just want to make sure that no matter what, and whatever passing, if it's for a fucking second or an hour of your time, I want to make that person just feel their best because mm-hmm. damn it, you deserve it. We deserve it. Yeah. You know, it's so yes. important. It is so important. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I think I literally just like maybe within the last five years, I might give a shit muscle broke, they say. And it's like, it's so refreshing. And I'm trying to teach my kids to be authentic and just speak their truth because what a waste of time and what what a counterproductive amount of time I spent like trying to make other people happy with who I was and it really is like you don't always come to it there's no time frame but when you come to it it's like the freedom of just being authentic is just amazing so you know contributing to that for others when maybe they're not feeling so hot I try and take that time too because it takes like three seconds to be kind to others and it makes such a huge impact it's very true And honestly, you just like, you hit the nail on the head there. And what's crazy is like, I look back and I hear all the things from like when I was a kid, like you can't get tattoos, Taylor, because you won't be able to get a job. You shouldn't color hair, Taylor, because people won't take you seriously. Well, let me tell you something, okay? My Mm. green hair and my pot leaf wrist tattoo got me a position in the Pennsylvania government. So Mm -hmm. nothing can stop. You That's know, right. it, it really is crazy how people think we need to kind of morph ourselves to fit in this box. Baby, you were made to break that box wide mm. the fuck open. Yes. You yes. know, that's when all the dreams that you didn't think could be actual reality become reality. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was an activist just starting out, I was so excited that a senator would like remember my name. And mm-hmm. then I worked for that senator. You know, so it's crazy how following your heart, being authentic, saying fuck it and moving forward can actually get you somewhere. Yeah, it's, it opens it, a it lot really, of doors. Little- oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Where did you where'd you go to college, Taylor? I went to Antonelli Institute of Photography oh, yeah. and Graphic Yeah. It has now been bulldozed to the ground and has been oh, absorbed into college. Um, I miss it every day. That was a uh, Antonelli family. You know, we, we yeah. still are strong. 
but uh yeah what a great school that was it was an awesome school that's awesome. That's definitely one of the tops that I wanted to go to. And I ended up going to Drexel. Like it was so stupid. And and my, my uh, student loan debt is not happy for it. But um, so can, can we just touch on really quickly, what's the other kind of art that you do? And can you drop um, your website? I'll make sure to link it. But if you can tell people how they can follow you. Yeah, so my website is Taypock Photography. So that's T-A-Y-P-A-C photography.com. You can okay. find me on Instagram also at Tapoc underscore live, like Tupac lives. Um, but yeah, no, my other work, gosh, I, I, in the photography world, it is self-love, empowerment, women's body positivity. That is my realm. That, that is, that is my happy place. That is my happy place. Photographing. Mamas that just had their child, but mm. holding their baby. That is yes. my baby. I want to photograph all the beings being themselves, loving themselves authentically. And if you're not there yet, sweetie, we will just cheer and have fun together. You know, yes. like I I'm here to capture your essence as you are in this meaty flesh temple that we reside in. You know, I, I mm -hmm. just I love photographing people in all of their forms. And if it's mm -hmm. a nude, faceless, black and white series, or if we're frolicking at a lake with a group of 30 women, all mm -hmm. dressed in rainbow panties, we're having a ball and we're loving yeah. ourselves. And creating this imagery again is a reflection of myself. I need to see this in the world. Yeah. So since I'm not, I'm going to create it. And, um, you know, I try to do that in all of my art, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy, but li literally life itself is art. I'll be gardening. That's an art form. I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to make myself a really good coffee in the morning. That's an art form. When I make dinner tonight, that's an art form. So, you know, in all of my mediums that I choose throughout the day, I really just try to put all of myself into it. You know, um, I'll never forget my eighth grade math teacher. She said, Taylor, because I, by the way, little disclaimer here, I suck at math. I was <laughs> yeah. in summer school for math and uh. junior high and in high school. I had to do summer school in college for what I love. Like my brain does not compete with numbers. Um, <laughs> but she said to me, Taylor, why would you ever put your name on something? that you did not put your all into. And that sat with me forever. Miss Terizzi, I will never forget her. She ended up being the first, I believe she was the first lesbian married in Pennsylvania when we changed our law. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my teacher at Junior High West at Boyertown, I'll never forget her. She, she wow. totally changed my life. She was such a tough, I remember the kids used to be so scared of her, but it was because she was solid in her foundation. You're my life. She definitely planted that with me. And that was at probably one of the I mean, junior high is fucking hard. It is yes. hard on you as a as yes. a girl going not through changed. whatever we're going through. I that mean that is yeah. it. That is situation we're in at that like thirteen year old age. And um her telling me that at that moment in my life was exactly what I needed. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I fucking, 
Oh, well, that's that. so cool. Yeah. That's so cool that you had that connection with her. But that's so neat right. that, that she made such a huge impact on you. And it's funny because it's a subject that you don't, it's those teachers that you don't necessarily, it's not natural for you that really makes a huge, the huge impact if you've got one that cares so deeply and wants to see you rise and succeed, you know, just really, really cool. I mean, I love our district so much. I feel like it's changed a lot, um, just the public school system in general. And it's the pacing is really hard for me um, to watch my kids go through. But I'm sure you probably had a lot of the art teachers that I know because I sub in the district as an art teacher. And uh, the art program's pretty phenomenal. And I am just obsessed with our art program here. Very right? grateful for that. Yes, yeah. yes. Bash puts it And, you know, it is crazy how you were talking about like, how much it's changed over the years. I often mm. have the visual of being, I was still in a car seat. And I remember the Ku Klux Klan coming up to my mom's car and handing out oh their pamphlets on that like yep. Sunday, Saturday morning that they would do like on. And now we are a community of love. We are yes. a community of, I think we are a community of resiliency. And we are a community that is accepting. And yes. I would have never believed that growing up that our community mm. would be flourishing the way that it is. Yeah, so it's really incredible. Go, absolutely, go bash. You know, y'all yes. are trying from, um, you know, the trans bathroom mm -hmm. uh, lawsuit that we had that obviously bash was in favor of our beautiful trans students. Um, you know, I really just believe that Bash is on the up and up, and I, I'm very proud of the school I graduated from, no doubt. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't grow up here, but my mom grew up here and fled immediately when she graduated because of all the things that you're talking about. And then I remember being a kid and visiting my grandparents on East 4th, and I don't remember like where the the parade was, but I remember my grandfather would go out, like he was a volunteer for the ambulance and he would just make sure like everything was kind of kosher, like making sure that nothing kind of erupted because of it. But it was really hard for our family because we weren't, you know, my family's not like that at all. And it was just so like strange. And that's why she left. And then I came back and it really kind of didn't sit well with her because she had all this pain and all these memories. And she moved us, our, our family, her children to Philadelphia area so that we could grow up with diversity and all the things she didn't have. But what a change that has occurred in Boyertown just from like an outsider perspective now moving here. And it is profound and really like very exciting to see. There's definitely more diversity and, and there's like so, so much support there for kids. And, and I really, it really makes my heart feel good because it, it's really very challenging um, to sort of overcome that kind of thing. And then we had, of course, the, um, Black Lives Matter gathering, I guess, geez, was that like a year ago? Practically. I feel like it was during, it was during COVID time and it went really yep. smoothly, but it was scary. I was, I was definitely very weird. We lived very close to Philadelphia Avenue and I thought like, oh my gosh, like I thought there was going to be like an eruption from the opposing side of the gathering, the peaceful gathering. So it was a little terrifying, but I was really happy that it went, went, went okay. And, and, it, and there was a huge, huge amount of people that came out for it. It was really incredible. Um, very moving, but um, yeah, what what an interesting idea to not just like, but for me, it's like, you don't need to abandon places like this. You need to be part of the recovery and evolution and, and, and part of the solution. You know, for me, that's what I want to be um, making those connections to make things better. So I'm glad you didn't leave and I'm glad you're here doing your work here.
we I'm, are uh, change narrative. You know, yes, that's the part. I, I, I'm not the type of person that can. I can't leave home. You know, I, I can go travel and do my thing, but Boyertown really does have my heart. Um, yeah, and it's silly and it's tangled, but <laughs> yeah, it I, I want to be a part of the change here that makes little girls like your daughter. Yeah, you know, feel alive and feel yeah. safe and feel like they can be their authentic selves without an apology afterwards. You know? Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I left Pennsylvania and I just was like, oh my god, I can't survive outside of Pennsylvania. I'm such a Pennsylvania girl, but now Boyertown has my heart too, for sure. I don't think I'll ever leave my actual house. I'm really weird about my home. It's like a living part of our family. And I have this tree here and it's like never moving. I don't care how many bedrooms we need besides what we have. But I, I just love our town so much. And I was excited with my preconceived notions of what we were moving into, what kind of area it was going to be, what kind of school it was going to be for my kids. To see that kind of um, change occur was really ex exciting and inspiring for me too. Because we left Philadelphia, like we lived in East Kensington and it was very different in the schools I taught in there and, and, and the different neighborhoods that we lived in and to come here and see, you know, the shift and the change for better. It was really, really great. And I'm very thankful for it. And I want to see it continue to evolve and, and continue to be more inclusive and um, become, you know, the kind of town that feels safe for everybody. And, you know, not to erase those memories or those horrific events, but to acknowledge them and to like say like never again this is no way is this going to happen again here so i i love that um and so grateful for young artists and and small businesses and stuff like yourself and you know i'm really close friends with firefly and then of course chris deets over at cd's place amazing guy um and i know you're you're very friendly with him and his daughter who's also an incredible well both of the daughters but i only i'm very very familiar with them his one daughter and um you know, just doing really incredible stuff. <laughs> I was told as well, I should just join a biker gang because I have tattoos and I should just give up on all my dreams. <laughs> and like, here we are, right? Like, I never thought, I did really well this year. Not like amazing, but like I was able to support myself in the way I needed to doing art. And that's like, what an incredible gift because I'm, I'm finally doing what I want to do and I'm being authentic. And it, it really is true. And it's like, it will work out if you follow your dreams. It's very true. I love that, Taylor. It's a great message. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of pivot a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, and I would really like to get into um, the work that you do for survivors and getting involved in, in the very nitty gritty, like making shit happen aspect of that in going and trying to make changes with legislation and, and what an enormous amount of courage and also strength and perseverance, because I know that you've posted many times, I've seen stories of kind of like very big disappointments and feeling like unheard and making great efforts and just feeling invisible to the powers that be and to keep keep going with that instead of just talking shit and saying that you wanna change things and like sharing shit on Facebook and then doing absolutely nothing about it. Like you're in there, you're doing things, you're making moves to make action happen. And more recently on NPR, I heard after the most recent um, election day that the survivor bill, and I'm not positive what it was called, that it was accidentally left off of the ballot or, or somehow was not given the amount of attention that it needed to get votes. And my heart yep. literally like sank. And I thought of you right away. And I thought of um, your community and, and I thought of myself and all the people that have been touched or 
were part of the Me Too movement, Me Too movement or have dealt with this in the past and just, um, so if you can just speak on that, I, I don't want to start blubbering on because I know I'll probably get emotional, but um, I just want to thank you for number one, the work that you do in making efforts to make actual change and how, and how we can individually help the efforts too. Yeah, so being a keyboard warrior is a beautiful thing. Yes. I, I never uh, want to dismiss that, but uh, no, no, it, I'm so sorry. it took it took it took a lot of low points to actually get into activism. Um, so I guess we'll start with why I got into what I got into. So I try to receive justice criminally against my perpetrator which happened to be my half brother and i was 20 years old when i tried to receive what i thought would be justice and the abuse happened to me starting at the age of five so going in at 20 i was really naive i had my sister there with me we go to the police station, which happened to be state police, because where the incident occurred didn't have their own station. So, you know, I go up, you put that visual in your head. If you can imagine a stereotypical dark, cold room with a single mm -hmm. light on, that is what it was. So I'm being interrogated for coming forward about what my brother did to me by police. And one of the first questions they asked me is, what were you wearing? Mind you, at that oh time, God. I told the police I was five years old when the abuse started. It was going on for four years until the age of nine. Where the hell did that question come from? And why mm. did these officers think that that was pertinent? So I didn't realize it in the moment, but that was just one of the many things done wrong. Um, and this happens time and time and time again to victims. So I knew myself as a victim because that's all I saw myself as. I was trying to go criminally against my brother. And six months later, I finally get a call from the police saying, hey, we called your brother. Uh, he said he didn't do it. There's no more evidence, so that's that. And that was the end of it. That was the end of me trying to attempt to receive justice in some micro way. So I kind of like blacked out. I was very upset and I go on Facebook Live for the very, very first time, click that button and I start sharing my story. And I had no idea it was gonna get the reach it did, but it hit our community. And so much so that a Pennsylvania house rep saw my story and asked me to come up to Harrisburg and speak. Wow. So I did, um, <laughs> 20 years old, going up to the Capitol building, the steps of the rotunda and ripped up jeans and like a practically like a tie-dye blazer. You know, as you can tell, I'm, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, I share my story for the news. And again, I'm 20 years old and all the survivors around me are about 50 to 60 because the average age of coming out about childhood sexual abuse is 52 years old. Mm. So I'm quite young <laughs> to uh, be sharing my story, right? 
And it kind of just kept going from there. Uh, once I started speaking out, I started building a community of survivors around me and I didn't feel alone anymore. Wow. For the first time ever, I didn't feel alone in my trauma. How healing. So I'm practically addicted to activism at this point because it's making me feel free. I yeah. am being believed and heard because my own didn't believe or hear me when I tried talking to them about my abuse. So having this community to build off of and to thrive with and to heal with has been a blessing, nothing short of a blessing. Um, so in 2019, I got a job as a lobbyist for Marcy's Law which was simply put trying to give equal rights to victims. We weren't trying to take away rights of the perpetrator. We just wanted an equal playing field to them. You know, for instance, we just wanted to be notified, you know, that our predator is out on bail. Yeah. Some of those simplicities are not our normality when you become victimized, which I promise you, we didn't wake up one day and say, hey, come hurt me. It, it, mm -hmm. It's never that way. So not only are we victimized in the moment of abuse, but we continue to be victimized by our society and the systems that be. That's what traumatized and triggered me so much to continue on and to work as hard as we did for Marcy's Law, which if you know, passed on the ballot, was voted through millions of people voted yes for Marcy's Law. And that was sadly halted because the ACLU decided to sue us saying it was unconstitutional, oh um, which was a fucking tragedy, which was a tragedy. <sighs> and our governor had the right to go and our governor not do anything for us. Um, you know, that spirals and, you know, we continue to work because there's another failure, you know, in our system. We voted it, we got it through, but then the systems that be halted justice and nothing happened. And that is the evolution of Pennsylvania politics, by the way. So in 2019, I was asked as a survivor to come speak to the Pennsylvania Senate Judiciary Committee, which a little background on how laws are kind of built here. You can write a bill, you can have it passed the House, but it needs to go to committees before it can go to the Senate floor to even be approved to get voted on. Huh? Wait, what? Oh my gosh. There are all these systems, what I'm saying, in place for justice to fail. Mm-hmm. That's it. So when I was asked, as a survivor to come and speak to these senators who have failed us time and time and time again for 15 plus years. I wasn't coming from a place of love to them. Mm. I was coming to a, from a place of uh, rage, hurt, complete, complete exhaustion. Mm. And I gave them 10 minutes of my soul. I share to them my anger, my frustrations. And because of my story, 
a compensation fund was started in Pennsylvania to help compensate victims of sexual assault. Wow. So me sharing my story actually did something and it did something for the better. Wow. Did we get the statute of limitations absolved, which is what we really want? No. But now there is one step further in the healing process for victims. So if you can't afford therapy, you can reach out to the Pennsylvania government right now and ask for compensation. And I'm very grateful to have shared my story because maybe that'll change someone's trajectory now. Yeah. But the fight is not over. We get one small victory. We get one fucking crumb of that cookie. We want more. Yeah. So we continue to work. It's 2021. My speech was from 2019. And mm -hmm. still nothing has changed for time barred survivors. And it enrages me because I don't just fight for myself, who was not believed by her family, that was questioned horribly by police. Mm -hmm. I do it for my mom, who is a time barred survivor that cannot seek justice. I do it for my sister, who is a survivor, who is not time barred, but doesn't feel confident enough in herself to share her story. Because mm -hmm. if I couldn't believe, be believed, how could she? If I couldn't be heard, how could she? So yes, cheering, hurrah, mini victories, but there is still so much work to be done. And I will not rest until it's fucking done because it needs to be done. We, we pay these lawmakers to mm. do their job and they continuously don't do it, for, but pretend to be. Mm -hmm. I love it. Today is the first day of June. It is officially Pride Month, baby. Let's get our mm -hmm. queer flags going. My pansexual ass is proud. None <laughs> yes. of us. These politicians will make their little posts online mm -hmm. saying Pride Lives, Queer Lives Matter, this, that, another. What are you actually actively doing for the queer community then? Mm. And I say that same thing with victims, as I say with women's rights. Look, look at our neighbor, Ohio, and their abortion rights. Look at what's happening in Texas right now. We have three bills right now in Pennsylvania trying to deny women of abortion access. So there's so much work to be done. And I'm simply here to like, let me share the little nuggets I know with y'all because it's mm -hmm. so confusing. Because they want it to be confusing, so we don't mm -hmm. try to go and understand this shit. Yes. And it's like, I try to tell my younger counterparts, I'm like, roads are politics. Air is politics. Yes. Signs, signs is politics. Everything we walk on, eat, food, drink, yes, yes, politics. Yes. Politics. Yes. yes. So I really don't want to hear the excuse from my cis white members or anyone mm -hmm. that, oh, well, it doesn't affect me nay it does affect you it does affect you mm -hmm. point blank period when i went to standing rock north dakota and lived on the reservation to fight gaffle people down here were telling me oh well water purity up there doesn't affect us down here no baby it does because guess what there's pipelines in pennsylvania so 
I really don't want to hear anything other than this shit affects us. We need to pay mm-hmm. attention. And if you don't want to immerse yourself in it, which I get because it's tiring, it's consuming, it's depressing, that's fine. But I will spew the bit of knowledge I know onto you if you want to hear it and you're willing to listen because it is so important and it can change lives. And it has changed mm-hmm. lives. And fuck. I just want to be a little, little portion of that change. I want to yes. be one of the many voices in the sea of voices that feels confident enough in their voice to say me too or enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important to me yeah. to just share truth. If it's visually with my photos, verbally, when I speak to these assholes up in Harrisburg or whatever, whatever it is, I just want to be able to share my truth because so often I've not been believed. So often I've not been heard. And my God, it feels really good when you are heard. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Especially if you've dealt with like gaslighting, you know, in a familial situation. And for so long, you've been like told that you're, not being honest and you start to believe it and then when you're around people that actually believe you um it's just so liberating and you kind of need that you can't you can't be gaslit and gaslit and gaslit and like be in in like toxic uh relationships and actually still believe yourself because it it affects you if you're like a genuine person it gets to you you know but um i want to ask you like what your opinion is because i think this is an interesting conversation piece for us to talk about because I'm so passionate about this too. And so enraged about like my own experiences, like just being put in like really shitty situations with like potential like violators and, and like, thankfully that I can remember because I have memory problems. Um, nothing like demonstrative happened to me as a young girl. My, my trauma was more like, uh, like 14 through like 25 or whatever. But, um, Like, I think a lot about my children and children and empowering them with the information so that they know what consent means. Because, bitch, if you're saying you need to know what consent means, but you don't inform them what it means to be touched properly or touched improperly, a kid is not going to understand that they're giving consent or not giving consent because they don't know what the fuck's happening to them. So my question to you as like a mom and somebody, you know, like I'm an educator, like I always think of children as being really lost in this because they don't even have the fucking information about what is right and what is wrong. And so I, I work with my kids a lot, my own children, and I know people judge me in my family. Luckily not my husband, because he's very, he is someone that liberated me from, from my trauma and my pain by just hearing me and like believing me. But like, you know, I talk to them about like what is okay and what's not okay. And I run it over and over again, because when it comes down to that moment, when you're in this situation, whatever age you're at, you're going to know, like, if this doesn't feel right, this is not right. But children that don't get given that information, because most kids don't, like, and they're not doing it in school anymore, Taylor. Most moms and dads or like parents or whatever, you know, you identify as as a caregiver, if you're a grandparent, whatever, like, are not going to think, oh, I need to share this so that they know, like, what is like, okay, and what is not. But this is something that I think is also very crucial, because we want to catch it before it the fuck can happen. And like, if a kid is informed and has the 
has the ability to say no and like freak the fuck out. Like instead of, I've, I've heard a lot of like stories and retellings about, um, and I know Oprah did a, a, did a piece where she actually had like, um, like perpetrators on her talk show to, to, to help parents understand like how it happens and the whole grooming process. And like kids will not even realize that it's not right. And even young adults, like my 13 year old, she wouldn't know cause she wasn't, she wasn't aware. And I didn't even realize like, duh. Has not she's not been taught this so like just if you could just speak for a couple of minutes about like what you think like in that aspect like what all of us can do um like see something say something even if you're not the parent like enough with this like don't say anything if a kid's getting beat the shit out of in in a store or whatever like I'm not of that mind I always say something and I'll like ask a kid like right. are you okay you know and like you know and, and just knowing with with trafficking and how it's how it's a crisis here right here in our home in our home it's a crisis and um just if you could speak on that at all you know has your has your has your work taken you down any of those kinds of channels that you could help share with us some things to uh work on as a community oh absolutely and i i just want to say i'm actively trying to heal you know and uh work on a lot of that myself so putting that clearly out there but to start I mean you know when I was being abused starting at the age of five my brother told me it was the brother sister game so he painted the picture when he was grooming me to think that this was normal for all kids to be doing this that every brother and sister did this game and then what I'm still again actively working on is when I was about seven years old, a girl in my friend group, you know, we're about the same age. She plays the game with me as well. And I haven't mm-hmm. openly discussed this before ever. So, um, you know, she told me we were playing the husband wife game and it was exactly like the brother sister game. And again, I was being groomed actively in that time by my brother. And now this girl is doing it to me at the age of seven as well. So I'm definitely thinking it's normal. And then it wasn't until I was 16 years old in health class when they first brought up the M word, molestation. Mm -hmm. And that's when they read the definition out loud in the class. And I was like, wow, this is not a game. This was me being actively violated multiple times by two different people, two different genders. And, um, you know, the biggest issue is it's not being talked about. Now, at home, is that shame? Is it shame-driven why we're not talking about it? Because I actively believe that if I was educated as a child to know the value of my private parts to know nobody should be touching them, including a family member. Right. I mean, I don't see how that kind of conversation starting at the ages of three, four, five, I don't see how that should ever be a problem. I think a three-year-old girl should know that she has a vagina. Like a yes. three-year-old boy should know he has a penis. Yeah. You know, I, I think conversations and using the technically correct words not mm-hmm. not calling them just private parts, but calling them your breasts. Breasts do not be touched. No matter the size that they are, no matter what your age is, that area should not be 
touched by anyone, anyone, family right. or not. Yep. And we mm -hmm. have to lay these very hard conversations down at a much younger age because if I would have known what molestation was at five, mm -hmm. maybe I would have told my brother that this is not a, maybe I would have known something else. I wish yeah. I didn't learn that when I was 16. I wish a lot of things would have changed to change my trajectory, but it didn't. And that's right. fine. But now I'm going to be here to tell y'all how it is. And I mm -hmm. deeply believe that children should know at a younger age what their private parts are, that you do yeah. not touch anyone on the butt, even if it's a joke. That is not okay. You always ask consent. Oh, oh, I'll never forget being actually leaving my math class uh, for the first time ever. A boy in school touched my butt, and I was shocked. I literally stood at my locker, frozen, because I didn't know what to say or do. Mm -hmm. And obviously, then the violations became worse. You know, in tenth grade, I lost my virginity to rape. You know, and I think a lot of that. So I was 15 at that time. A lot of that, besides societal issues, is like just a lack of education. Yeah. So yep. all the time I could have been educated before that, that could have prevented me from being in situations I was in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it blows me away and it makes me yeah. very angry to be honest. Yeah. It's something I'm again, really working on, resentment. Yeah. Hey, that's a hard um, but I, I truly wish that we would not think these conversations were taboo. I truly right. wish, hope that the younger parents, the new parents, the parents now that have children that actively want to be in their children's lives. I really hope y'all can just put your shit aside if it's shame or whatever it is and just educate your children to understand that our bodily anatomy our our bodies our temples they are sacred and they matter and you should not let anyone family or otherwise mm -hmm. take that away from you so yeah. i have a great she has a one-year-old daughter that she is actively educating on body parts She'll yep. actively say when she's changing her daughter's, you know, diaper, this is your vagina. I'm wiping your, and she actively does that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so brilliant. Yeah. Like when that girl is three, she know what her body is. Yes. Yep. And I didn't understand my body until I was 18, 20. Yeah, I didn't understand same. I had, I didn't understand I wasn't just to be thrown away and used at other people's demise. Like it's mm -hmm. no, no. No. So educating our children younger and younger and younger and talking about these things, it's not something we should wait for. It's something that happens. You can practice purity. You can practice not having sex till marriage. That will not stop someone from raping you. Right. I was in 10th grade wearing a purity ring when I was raped. It does not stop the bad things from happening to you. Right. But if you right. can educate your children and give them that little bit of power, that gives them a bigger leg up than I ever had. Yeah. And, you know, also the schools are not going to do it for us. That's something that's definitely true. Um, and I have been talking to my kids forever about it. And it's like, I know it comes from a place of like having very strange things happen to me with my private parts. Like 
when I was young and very strange, weird situations that I would be like put in. And, and I, and I've actually recently talked to like my husband and my mom about it. Like, I don't even think I told them because, well, not him clearly, but her, because I don't even really think I knew it was wrong because it was like an adult, like one, one incident, like where a woman that was her friend, like touched my breast buds when I was like eight. And like, I didn't even probably know it was wrong because I'm just here like, oh, well, this is an adult, but it felt like disgusting. And just, I think that's sort of very much important key. Like, it's certainly not going to prevent all things from happening, but it will help that child who it's happening to kind of have a better understanding, I think, of identifying like, was this okay or was this not okay? And maybe that that's a good place to start. Um, As young as you possibly can, like we kind of have scaffolded how intense the talk is. Because, of course, stranger danger is really difficult to put into perspective with a two-year-old than it is with, like, my 13-year-old or my eight-year-old. Um, but really, it, it's it's so important to keep it a conversation that's constantly going. And, like, they get really annoyed with me because I'll talk about it all the time. But it's, like, whatever. It's going to do them better in the long run. And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I've noticed, like, with my 13-year-old, she'll come to me about things and feel more comfortable, like, discussing it with me. And I said to her a million times, I will never judge you if you have a question. Like, please just ask me. I don't think there's anything that I haven't heard of. Or, like, maybe I don't know the new terms or whatever. But I I know what you mean. And I don't mean to, like, to, like, um, you know, to bring up past trauma that we're both, I'm sure, still, like, dealing with. But just kind of giving people an idea of, like, what can we do, you know, if we have a chance to um, be around young people? And also, even if it's not your own child, like, sure, parents may get offended. But if you feel like your red flags are going off for a child that you know, like, please, you know, either talk to the parent or talk to like the child, like whatever, like, so the parents can be pissed, like, it's important. And it's, and it's very, very important for kids to just yeah. identify what's what's okay and what's not because even tickling, like, just from my own experience, like tickling is something that like really triggers me. And like, my kids will do it to each other. And I like freak out. I'm like, No, we don't tickle in our house, like at all. It was definitely always like one of those very like gray areas where like, you know, older men would use to like be right. disgusting. So yeah, I'm with it. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, validation that, you know, the younger and younger, that it can make a huge impact. You know, we want to try, you know, of course, we're not going to be able to stop everything, everything from happening. But if a child knows that what has happened is not right, they're probably more inclined to, to share it, you know. Absolutely. And that's something I want to kind of touch on is also the fallacy of the whole stranger danger. Because in my reality, it was never a stranger. Right. It was family. Mm -hmm. It was dear, dear friends that I had memories with. Yes. Beautiful, cherished memories with that violated me completely. Took advantage of me and used me. Um. So yes, stranger danger very important. Yeah. Very true. Always, if you feel. Thing. If you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a deep believer in that. But the same should be said about our family members. Yes. No, you should never force your child to hug someone. I'm big into that. Um, right. You know, if you 
child is openly sad that they do not want to hug their uncle, do not force mm-hmm. them to hug oh, no. their uncle. It's yes. something so simple yet so radical because you're giving your child then the right to choose and avoid their body, their choice too. Yes. So I find the uh, a radical notion, but at the end of the day. It starts with educating our kids at home. Mm-hmm. We cannot depend on schools to do it. We have to depend on ourselves. Okay? We need to take the power back and make sure our boys know how to treat people. They understand yeah. that no truly means no. It's not a flirtatious no. It's mm-hmm. a no period. No explanation. We need to teach our boys that getting bodies in our society, men are considered stronger and better if they have more sex with more people because the more bodies they accumulate then equals a more masculine man. And I hear it all the time in sitcoms, you know, movies, conversations with other men I was just fishing yesterday in New Jersey and I overheard guys putting their stuff in their car talking about that literally you know it is a normality that to be a man you have to have sex with a lot of people and Mm. that makes you more of a man right so then that turns our society in a loop because if men need to have more sex with women that means women then in return need to have more sex but then women that have a lot of sex are slut shamed they're not praised like men are praised right yes so then women constantly are being asked to have sex they say Mm -hmm. no that no is not heard they are then coerced and asked over and over and over and over again, which this is not talked about enough, to have sex. And they finally say okay to having sex, even though they don't want it because it's easier mm-hmm. than keep saying no 15, yeah. 20 times. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that enough. Yeah. Coercion. Men mm-hmm. should hear no one time, and that should be enough. The 15th time, does that not hit you? Yeah. Do you not understand how that works? So I'm 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 a big proponent in educating our boys, not just our girls. We can't oh yeah we can't just teach our girls not to rate. We need oh, to no. teach our boys not to rate. Yes. You know, I see it all, all yes. online and I even share it. I'm like, ladies, what are the tips you use to walk to your car? Yep. Because something as simple as walking to a car, we have to be battled for fucking war here. We have to be mm-hmm. geared up. You know, yeah. I always have on me. I always have my keys in my hands. I'm yeah. always acutely aware of who and what is going on around me at all times. Yes. Are we teaching our boys the same thing? More often than not, no. And we need to be the ones to change that narrative. Period. Yeah. Period. So let's educate our girls. Let's let's talk about, you know, what our private parts are. Let's talk about what consent means. Let's mm-hmm. talk about rape. And rape is also not the stereotypical version of rape. 
you right. can be raped if you ask someone that you're having consensual sex with to not come in you and if they came in you without your permission that is rape yeah that is rape and marital rape we need all kinds to talk of stuff. Yep. because they are deep they are engraved into our society and if we do not change our conversations how do we ever expect our society and the people around us to change too right so it starts with hard conversations if it's talking to your two-year-old about her vagina and saying that she mm -hmm. has bodily autonomy autonomy and that her body is her choice even at that young mm -hmm. of an age how radical is that how mm -hmm. radical is that change or if you're talking to your boy and you're telling him that no means no one time period done look at the radical change you're making and not only in his yeah. life but every life your son then encounters from here on out right that is and a especially notion it doesn't matter marching up to the capitol building to make true change in our communities right you can start here at home you can start at home today right now right now yeah and i always think too of it trickling down so like every encounter then that he has with like friends that are talking in this disgusting way is it is an opportunity for him to be the upstander and make that change continue like it always i see it so visually as like a web or like a, a thread running through like like setting these kids up with the appropriate like knowledge about what consent is on both sides and then how much of an impact that will have you know for their friends and the people that they're around or if they're seeing something that they know is not right at like a party sometime or whatever you know it's like for Okay. Uh, that is awesome oh you're frozen oh you're frozen, oh, there no, you are. I was frozen. <laughs> but it was kind of fun to listen to like it was like the remix so it's like the taylor <laughs> oh girl but you know it's so funny because like his dad and I, <laughs> pack in the house his dad and i are like very different we're we're generationally very different but this is something and i've recently told my husband this i was like listen at the end of the day like the reason i love you so much is because like legit he is like whether or not he would love me to say this but he is like a feminist he treats me equally he's treated every woman that i can imagine um that i know of in his life equally and like this is so like generationally like his mom was very powerful his dad treated her very respectfully and and with like the utmost respect and and equality and like this is like cyclical and i think the same with kids and the same with trauma and and so anyway it's being passed down generationally because we both feel this way but also like i know cyclically and generationally in my family it was just like well this is just the way it is my aunt was abused by a family member and then you know i was put in situations where it could have gone very badly and i think why the fuck did this happen and then watching my daughter be put in situations by my by my family that could go wrong and me setting that boundary and them being like it's just somebody has got to fucking stop it because it is very cyclical in families. I'm sure that you've heard this many times, having having spoken to so many survivors, um, where like it's a mentality like, no, this is just like whatever. It's like part of life and part of being a kid. And it's like, no, it's not. And like it takes that person that sets up the boundary is really it's it takes so much strength. So thank you for all that you're doing, Taylor. And for sharing with us and empowering us as 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 people in the community and part of the village because it takes the village to help um
bring awareness and especially for little ones because they are they might not get it at home you know and and we have a chance to impact them in many ways but I know they're legally not allowed to get it in school so it's it's really important that we all keep our eyes and ears open and if we see something we need to say something that's that's something that's we're concerned about so so I really appreciate that and and thank you so much for your time I did want to um if you don't mind um I know we're kind of breaking up a bit we're getting to the remix <laughs> Um, if we could just talk quickly about um, you, your event, which I'm going to probably mess up. I just wrote down marijuana. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old lady. I just yeah. wrote down Mary Jane. <laughs> talk to us about this. FS is the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. Cannabis, yeah. Uh, I've been the photographer for, God, six years now, which blows me away. Um, but for me, I really try to tie together, you know, trauma with cannabis consumption. So a big reason why I consume cannabis daily is because of my chronic PTSD, uh, uh, which is debilitating, you know? Uh, so for me, it's really important. It's a lot of our way to medically consume cannabis to help heal yourself, you know? Lots of people like to have their end of the day beer, a lot mm -hmm. of people like to go to kind of relieve stress and tension. Um, I like to spark a joint when I am having pain or if I'm mentally corrupted by my trauma. And mm -hmm. guess what? It makes me a functioning human being. Um, I One of my goals in life is to kind of remind people that stoners can be successful. And I mm -hmm. would like to share with people that it can be done you know you're not the stereotypical couch tomato or potato that people like to uh poke fun at it's uh cannabis keeps me active cannabis keeps me sane um cannabis is the reason why i'm able to talk to you right now mm -hmm. um so shout out to a beautiful plant that should be completely decriminalized because gardening should not be illegal yeah um and you know i'm just great for the many platforms that cannabis creates if it's community if it's jobs uh if it's you know just fun events like pen canna fest uh we've been doing it started out in scranton pennsylvania at naog park and it quickly moved down to kutztown pennsylvania right near kutztown university um, it has grown so much in the last couple of years. I mean, the very first event had less than 2000 people. Now we're at over 4,000 people. So wow. it's, it's quite amazing to see the community come out, um, and just really appreciate that. Um, as a medical patient, it's actually illegal for me to consume a joint. I can only vaporize my weed. So, you know, there are a lot of things I want to normalize. Like as a medical patient, I will smoke a joint because mm -hmm. that's how I need to do my medicine. Um, and I want to have the conversations with people that might not understand or want to educate themselves or want to know the differences and having lab tested results in your hands to see what you're consuming you know um i, I just love talking about yeah. it because it's helped me and it's my outlook on life and it's 
it's, it's given me life a lot of times. So yeah, I'm forever grateful for that plant because it's true medicine and it's a gift from our earth. So we're really lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. That, uh, that idea of knowing where it's from and what exactly is in it. It's so incredible to me. Of course, the powers that be are being driven, you know, the lawmakers and stuff are being driven by big pharma and it's a really big problem. It's a really big fucking problem. And And it really bothers me so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the insurance federation, you know, at the end of the day, I just wrote this down in my journal. They don't want us to heal. No, they, they don't want better. They They, they want us to live in our trauma. They want us to live in our pain. Yeah. Say that again. I said, they can't make money off of us then, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think the radical notion of consuming cannabis, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I've been consuming cannabis for a long time. Cannabis is not for everyone and that Mm -hmm. is okay. But before you go and denounce it, maybe try an alternative like CBD, which is non-psychoactive, you know? So there are so many ways that we can learn. And we can consume, and we don't have to be high or be a couch <laughs> potato. We can be functioning adults and live on our days and live with the best quality of life that we possibly can. So, yes, yes, cannabis, absolutely. What a radical thing! Yeah, it's so cool. It's it's really cool to see it. Like, it's just it's like about time, man. <laughs> like ridiculous, but oh my gosh, Taylor. Sure. Thank you so much. I am so sorry we got into the remix for like the last half hour. <laughs> no, this is a this please, is a very punk rock. <laughs> it's such a punk rock podcast. It's such a mess, girl. <laughs> that, that thank you so. Be thank you so much for joining it. me. And Taylor is available to do photography for you. Um, in this area, like, what areas do you stretch? Like, how can people find you and follow you? We already, well, I'll make sure I'll tag everybody all your uh, all your different links and stuff. But what area do you serve photography wise? So I serve everywhere. I've traveled to Germany and Iceland. Uh, there's really there's no limit. This is what I love to do. And then yes. you want me to be your photographer of the edges of the world for you. Um, I do serve the general, I do serve the general Eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, New York area the most. But again, I have clients serving all over the world. So whatever you want, I'm there for it. If you have a destination, you want me to photograph I'm there to just honor you and photograph your truth. So that's you amazing. Let me there, baby. Yeah. All right. Tapak. One, Tupac, Tapak. Yeah. Tupac. <laughs> when is the book coming out? Girl, you need to put a book together with these images. That would be amazing. And also you're at the Michener Museum right now. You have a photograph, right? Michener. Yeah. Yep, and I'm also... in the Michener July 11th, one of my photos from my series, Quarantine Creatives, which highlighted artists during COVID. Yeah. Um, that is in DM right now. I am so honored that they selected one of my images to be on the wall with so many amazing other artists. That's and awesome. uh, I like to also pride myself in saying it's the only image on that wall that spotlights artists. And yes. I am honored that they 
saw that as an essential work because yeah. the series in the midst right now is called Essential Workers. So I would love it if any of you went out and saw that. Um, yeah. It really is a piece of my heart that's hanging on that wall right now. And there's a lot more happening. I have some events happening this summer with Empowered to Thrive, which is my survivor and ally-based organization. We're going to be doing uh, in-person and virtual seminars to teach people about human trafficking, what to see. Wow. Um, nice. And we're also going to be having a communal meetup June 18th in Pottstown. If anyone is free to come to that, we're soon simply going to play games outside and just get the survivor community and allies together and have some cheer and gloom. So I really am excited to see what happens on the horizons, especially with our survivor community all over the world, but specifically yeah. here in Boyertown. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I am, I'm looking forward to all of the big things happening that might not be out yet. So yes. we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, I saw your post. I was, I, I was like, I yeah, hope I didn't I'm miss excited. it. <laughs> That's awesome. And also, congratulations. I saw you were published in the magazine as well. Um, I saw that post. I don't catch everything, but I did see that. I was really excited for you. So I, I hope to you that um, you have just a beautiful yep. summer. <laughs> oh, no. I, it I just... appreciate you. And I appreciate you giving someone like me the time, <laughs> you know, um, I just I appreciate you seeing what I do as value and not just some woman spreading another voice out there like you see what I'm trying to do here and I just yes. really appreciate you doing that because yeah. it does feel lonely a lot of times it feels oh, yeah. hard a lot of times and knowing yeah. people like you and your daughter support me like that's that's it that's what keeps me going. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you do. Thank you. Thanks, being, Taylor. Being a kick-ass mama bear, being <laughs> someone in our community that is trying to shed light to this dark world. I mean, you're doing so. Thank you. Yeah, it's well, it's so important to me, just like it is as it is to you to make sure you tell people what an impact they've had on you. So so our experience with you was incredible and we just, we love you so much and we can't see, wait to see all the amazing things that you're going to be doing now that things are opening up again and, and sort of um, <laughs> getting back to business a bit and being able to connect with people again, because it was a tough year and some change. It really was, but you were one of our highlights. So uh, again, Taylor, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so sorry if I'm breaking up right now. <laughs> This is nope, like you sound beautiful. The Gorilla Radio Program. <laughs> oh, girlfriend. Child, we're doing nothing to stop us. Nothing to stop us. I was so big into Gorilla Girls. I don't know if you know who they are. I'm really dating myself now. The Gorilla Girls, they would dress up in gorilla suits and, you know, do these radical things in art museums and stuff like that. And I just remember like gorilla marketing, like I used to write beans and stuff. So all of these things, it's just. I see the energy that you have and it just really feeds my soul because it's very inspirational because I'm tired and I've been doing it a long time and I'm tired, but you keep me going girl. So keep doing it. And thank you for all of the things that you're doing. Thank you. Take good care, sweetheart. Thank Hope to see you, you soon. Thank you for saying that. You're, you got you it. I keep going.
we're gonna celebrate life together really really yes. soon yeah yes I can't wait yes I'm so I'm so happy for you I'm proud of you I know I've just Thank met you. you but I feel like I I just I'm so impressed it, it really means the world to me to see younger women just you know carrying on all of the efforts that you know yes queen so thank you so much yeah <laughs> we have and a lot you, to do I yes. love you and this platform that you're creating helps that oh yes you, you got it you anytime one in this world so thank you for your time today thank you, you got it listen anytime you come back on and with better internet next time i'm sorry you, you, you tell me one and i'm here for it any episode right. you want all right you got it we're gonna have some fun all right all right you take care thanks taylor bye 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 thank you Thank you.